0: Maradona ha segnato. Magnifico calcio di punizione da parte della formazione napoletana. Il Napoli è passato in vantaggio. Throw back to the 1985-1986 season where Napoli realized that they could finally compete, you know, they had never won anything prior to Maradona's arrival and um, his arrival led to trophies, Serie A trophies rather, in the 1986-1987 season and the 1989-1990 season
1: So in this season in particular where he got this goal, this was now 1-0 victory over Juve this was an indirect free kick from inside the area, ball was laid off to him and he fired it into the top corner um, he finished 4th um, on top goals with 11 goals Just behind Michel Platini for Juve with 12 goals Karl-Heinz Rummenigge for Inter with 13 goals And Pruzzo with 19 goals for Roma Since Maradona's departure, um, Napoli failed
0: to remain relevant Of course they even fell to Serie B, I believe, right yeah, Matt? Even
1: down to Serie C before the Laurentis invested in them And took them back all the way up to Serie A um, but they looked like a much weakened side um, It's great to see that they're in the top of their game again They don't quite have Maradona But they have Victor Ozyman Who is close enough, I think, in today's yeah. day and age And he's doing bits for them Spalletti's doing bits for them And I think this season could be their season
0: Yeah, I don't think they've had a, a start as good as this one since then To be honest with you mm. So I, I think they're, they're in the running for title contenders, definitely 100% Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Syria A Spotlight. We're your hosts Jake and Matt. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but our soundbite was different than this one. Drinking coffee. Yeah, we're drinking coffee. It's early Sunday afternoon right now. We had two nights of
1: drinking. We're hungover and we feel like shit. So... Sorry if it is going to be a bit low energy, but we wasted all our energy at Halloween parties this weekend. all our energy on the dance floor. On the dance floor, every single second.
0: (laughs) So don't forget to follow us, guys, on Instagram and Twitter, um, at Spotlight. We're quite active, you know, we put snippets up every now and then. And this will also allow you to send us your questions and your hot takes,
1: so we can discuss them on the pod. And we look forward to hearing from you as always
0: So let's jump to the first match of match day 10 This was um, another set of midweek games Which can be a little bit tricky to keep up with You know, <laughs> we, we end up falling behind over here But <laughs> but anyway, let's jump right into it So we had Milan 1, Torino nil. This took place at the San Siro Now Milan continued their unbeaten run Um, after bagging their first clean sheet in five league outings. The last one was Mm -hmm. against Venezia. Um, Torino had not actually beaten Milan at the San Siro since 1984. Jesus. Um, Well, it remains to be the case, of course. And the game was decided in the 14th minute when Giroud managed to get on the end of a Kronich flick on from a corner and scored. Um, It was a lovely move. Yeah. To be honest with you, it was beautiful. Um, Despite Milan's lead, though, Torino seemed to dominate the game in the first half, especially boasting 54% of ball possession at the interval. Milan were still more dangerous, however, Um, they had close calls from Leao and Kroenic too, Mm -hmm. apart from the goal. Um, Although Torino had more possession, they struggled to do anything productive with it. This was Bellotti's first start since returning from injury. And, you know, he had 50 days out before this game Jesus, man um,
1: He didn't play particularly well No, I think obviously he needs his time to readapt to the game as well I think his teammates need some time to readapt to him I mean, they've been dealing with Sanabria up front for a while um, So, naturally, I'm sure Bellotti will be back sooner rather than later We'll see him back in goals from the next match there too
0: Yeah, in the 54th minute, Juric decided to be a little bit more proactive He... Um, did a triple whammy, three substitutions, bringing on Sanabria, Pratt, and Ricardo Rodriguez, and this proved to be effective as um, Pratt's deflected deflected effort hit the bar, and they forced Tatarusanu into some saves too. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that I'm a big fan of Pratt or Pratt Dennis Pratt is it Pratt? Or yeah, I, Pratt? Think Pratt. Pratt? I think Pratt. Pratt. Sure, let's yeah. call him Pratt. Dennis Pratt. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the guy. He's a great player. I'm surprised, um, as we discussed in the previous pod. Um, mm-hmm. That's Rodgers didn't find any use With him at Leicester But anyway um, At the end of the game I thought it was quite symbolic That Torino had An identical chance to Girouds, But they, mm. they missed it And the commentator on BT Said that, you know, that's that's it. Milan had got their chance and they scored it. Torino got their chance and they did it. And Three points for Milan. Yeah, and I That mean, sums it
1: up nicely. That's that's the thing that separates a team like Milan from a team like Torino. Obviously, Torino could have a better day than Milan, but that does not necessarily mean that they are better than Milan. Yeah. So they could play with more heart, they could play with more panache, they could play with more skill. But if they don't have someone to finish the chance of like Milan had Giroud at the time... Then, then it's all for nothing, I'm afraid, and Milan walk away with the three points and keep putting pressure on Napoli.
0: So, I've seen some tweets um, that said that Milan would fare way better with a fast, pacey, athletic striker. Uh, these people were saying that Milan play better when Rebic plays as a number nine mm-hmm. than when Giroud or Zlatan play there. What do you think on that about that?
1: So I think it would be a combination of of size and, and speed. I think Milan always play with a big striker as a, as a reference point. Mm-hmm. We saw when, when Zlatan was reintroduced to the team two seasons ago. Um, Milan's style of play changed. They had a, a focal point up front and they've been trying to emulate it with every single signing they make up front. So they did last season with Manzukic, and this season they did it again with Giroud. So definitely I think Milan performed well. Having a big boy up front Especially now with Manyan And the balls that he plays All the way up to the striker yeah. um, Rebic does well Because he's a big guy As well He's yeah. strong himself And then he's got that Athleticism to him That is always an asset I think in an ideal world Milan would sign a Haaland So he'd have You know yeah, 90 pace striker. 90 pace and 90 strength, Like <laughs> 6 foot fucking 4 um, but if I had to choose, I'd go more for, more for size when it comes to Milan Because that is simply how, yeah. how their play style works
0: um, Your point about Manian and the, you know, the passing ability that he possesses Wouldn't you argue that um, his passing ability would be more effective with a fast striker for the counter? Um,
1: so you can play as, him through, like with Rebic or Leo. As well, 100%, but bear in mind there are the wingers for that. And we've seen Zlatan coming down and giving more space to Leo or Rebic or Salamakers or Castillejo on, on the other mm-hmm. side. So I think they play off each other really well when they've got a, a big, bulky striker and these two silky wingers. Yeah. Um, Especially when it comes to Ibra holding the ball up and and allowing these wingers to get forward, it it allows Theo to go forward as well and should uh, the opponent regain possession then Ibra's just there as well to get the ball and counter-attack instantly. I think it works. Naturally, when we see an, an athletic striker playing, we're either saying Grebic, who normally pulls it off Then we see Leao do it, sometimes Leao doesn't really pull it off as a striker, but more so as a winger yeah, I so prefer him as a winger It's too. still a system that needs to be a bit more tried and tested when yeah. it comes to the athleticism
0: So, that's the thing, when you look at Giroud and you look at Zlatan, you're seeing two strikers that aren't too attractive on the eye And quite often they do tend to fade out of the game at intervals, mm. you know, they are, they are slow But, um, you know, you look at Giroud's stats for this game You know, he had 23 completed passes in Torino's half He had 10 aerial duels, he had a goal Mm -hmm. He was the deciding point These players are deadly, they're lethal You give them one chance and they'll take it
1: For sure, I mean, Milan knew what they were investing in when when they signed Giroud He's not not a guy that's going to get you 15 goals a season, you know what I mean Mm -hmm. But he's definitely going to contribute to the team At this rate, he might At this rate, he might And maybe
0: um, also, Salamakar, your thoughts on his performance?
1: Salamakar's had a bit of a shocker in yeah. this in this game, but I mean, every player has a has a shocker every now and then, and that's that's no excuse to towards Sally's performance. I think the confidence was there. He was trying shots from distance. He was yeah. trying dribbles, but it just wasn't coming off for him, man. And to be honest, I've, I've se- since since he's renewed his contract, I've seen it be a bit of a theme with Sally where. He's just not contributing the same way he was uh, three games ago. It's no big deal, he's going to get there again, you know what I mean. But it's uh, just a bit of a, a dip in his performance. Yeah,
0: and, and defensively, it's still there and off the ball. You know, he does a lot mm-hmm. of running, he creates a lot of space, he frees up a lot of channels. Yeah. He's, he's still effective. Um, in the final third, he needs he needs some work. Yeah, he needs... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He never picks out... Not he never, but... M- quite often he goes. For, he makes the wrong pass yeah. you know he plays like Brahim and Leo have
1: really matured in those areas yeah, and it'd be great to see Salamakers mature in that area as well um, do you think it would have anything to do with well definitely it has to do with the amount of playtime that they're getting mm-hmm. with, with Champions League and, and the league as well um, do you think that has something to do with Castillo's performance the other day as well do you think there's a bit of pressure on Salamakers
0: perhaps to be honest he's seeing a player who was completely shunned out suddenly <coughs> you know Put in a performance mm-hmm. like that, and he might be thinking, you know, if these guys bring someone in. I could be benched
1: very easily. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good point. I'll just get know. the final three games in the Champions League before we get kicked out. <laughs> exactly. and Castillo will start in the league. Yeah,
0: um, Pioli, though has a has a good way of like making everyone feel important. You mm-hmm. know, he's like. Apparently, th- there was an interview um, of what he said before the Atalanta game last season. Apparently he had the players around the hotel room like the whole mm-hmm. squad and he pointed at every single one of them and mentioned a key point in the season where they contributed to where they How were good. at at the time yeah How and good. every single player the bench players players that only played one game you know
1: amazing man yeah,
0: his man, man management skills are uh-huh. next level definitely. which
1: is well, that is one of the main components a good manager would need in Italy with with all yeah. the squad rotation that goes on for example Gasperini he rotates the squad a lot, but I don't think he has that special touch when it comes to keeping players happy. I think he tends to clash with players, yeah. but he's a motivator at the same time. But I like the way Pioli handles the team. He could have 11 world-class players and a further 11 world-class players on the bench. And I think he'll be capable of, of keeping them all happy.
0: Yeah, The thing with Gasparini, I feel like, is he gets the best out of his players, so automatically they're happy. You know? yeah. They're not exactly
1: happy because of...
0: Exactly. Him, but because of
1: what he turns them into I feel like if, if Gasparini were to call in sick For training <laughs> Everyone would be quite happy Like, <laughs> Thank God <yeah. laughs> I'm sure Milan feel that way with Zlatan but. <laughs> Literally the same thing <laughs> Yeah
0: um, I think that's all for the Milan game.
1: Um, Bellotti, do you think Milan should still go for Bellotti or should no. they look elsewhere? No, 100% they should go for Bellotti. But look, Bellotti is still 27 years old. Yeah. And he's been around for so long. I was discussing this with Mintov yesterday because I was at one of the Halloween parties, funnily enough. I was saying Bellotti is 27 years old still. Yeah. He's been around for ages. He's been a reliable striker. For ages, sure, there isn't all that hype around him because he's 22 years old, 23 years old. He's a stable striker, he's, he's a national team player, he's a gem. And he could spend the prime years of his career at Milan. Three seasons, 27 to 30. He could do that. But let's say Milan draw
0: Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League. Let's say Milan draw Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City. Is Bellotti the guy you want up front against these, these teams?
1: I mean if we're talking about Milan's budget 100% he's he's the best it could get for Milan yeah. Now if you're telling me all of a sudden Milan afford I don't know man World class strikers I'll tell you to go for them But yeah. from, from how it seems it's like Milan can't go for Vlaovic because of his wages yeah. um, They can go for Bellotti And if that's the case Bellotti is definitely the best, out, the best pick out of the bunch I
0: think if he's available on a free with those low wages you go for him 100 you know, yeah, percent. build the team around him be it you build a team around him or you keep him to compete with another striker who's potentially maybe better splash the cash on someone yeah. else. getting him on a free is a really good opportunity because i understand the debate like should milan go for bellotti when if they're paying 20 million for him, they're yeah. paying 30 million for him but for on a free, it's no, it's a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, you, the, the last time there was an, an option to buy, it was seventy million and two players, yeah. I, I believe. And I mean, I, I totally understand why Milan didn't do that at the time. But now, no excuse. They should definitely, they should definitely do it.
0: So yeah. Milan remained top with Napoli, and Torino um, failed to win in their last six games. Wow. Well, Yeah, They started off well, they're still doing well They play well, you look at them, they're appealing But they're not getting the points Um, I'm sure the season will will look up very soon
1: Yep. So the next game And then uh, we'll be covering Is Napoli against Bologna This was a 3-0 win in the Estadio Armando Maradona Um, So for Napoli, in my opinion They recovered well after they dropped Their first two points of the season Against Roma And obviously they had Spalletti's absence He uh, was in the stands due to his red card in the previous fixture Um, now for the third time in a row napoli had to react to a milan win so they played later on in the weekend and milan have remained consistently winning Um, napoli obviously have had the motivation to go on and and earn points after the milan victories Uh, bologna on the other hand they came off two losses in a row these losses were against milan and napoli the poor guys need a break from playing these top teams, and they were also missing Sao Mauro, Soriano, and Arnautovic. So obviously, this was not a this was not an easy fixture against the league leaders. Yeah,
0: you could tell they were gonna lose this one before the game even literally, started. Was so literally, easy, like.
1: literally, and and the thing is, they had two big matches in a row one against Milan, one against Napoli. They were like, okay, if we can get one point from these two games it would be a success so against milan even though they were down to nine men they were feeling the game they thought they could do it they smelt blood and they committed 100 percent um which led to injuries it led to suspensions and it led to a weakened side to face napoli but that was their opportunity and they went for it and i don't blame them to be honest Um, So it didn't start well, immediately off the bat in the 18th minute, Ruiz opened the scoring with a left-footed screamer from outside the box. Ruiz, proving himself to be a very versatile midfielder, I think you could play him deep in that Jorginho role where he could dictate the play with his passing. Then you could also play him closer to the striker, where if you give him an inch of space from outside the area, he's either going to grab an assist or grab a goal. Um, That's his third goal of the season already in just 10 games. Last season, he scored three goals in 33 games. So contributing, contributing, contributing. In the 41st minute, Insignia had a penalty after a, after Medel handled the ball in the area. I don't get it. I don't get it when the ball is coming into the box and defenders jump and fucking fling their arms around in the air. I think it's stupid. Um, I think Medel has far too much experience to be doing something like that, but fuck it, he Maybe did Maybe he has
0: the experience, but the guy is way too short to be playing as a center guard. I I agree I agree yeah. but
1: this is but ah uh, and when Mauro's fit, he's not even replacing medel medel seems to be the first name on the team sheet in their in their yeah. back three and and i i don't, yeah, I don't quite get what's understand going on. I why i don't get it either. maybe
0: because he mihailovich feels he's invaluable to the team and he feels like the midfield the other midfield options are better maybe and he just wants to pop him somewhere
1: i guess i don't see it personally. i guess but yeah he was never even a, a center back to start with and he's very short and yeah he's pure. a bit clumsy as well um, but, yeah, he handled the ball in the area, almost punched it away, and then he got a yellow card for complaining, because he's a really clever dude. <laughs> um, Insigne stepped up to take a penalty after him, missed two in a row, and do you remember we pointed out maybe he should give them a bit more power yeah. and, and not, you know. He did exactly that, so he fired the ball into the onto the right-hand side of the keeper, into the bottom corner. Nothing Skorupski could do about that. And they did the exact same thing in the 62nd minute with the exact same result. This penalty was conceded by Mbaya, who was very clumsy in the box. His legs all over the place, all around Ozymane. Um, Insignia seems to have found the secret formula when it comes to scoring from the penalty area. Uh, bear in mind, Napoli have been awarded seven penalties this season, all taken by Insignia, where he scored four and he missed three. That's a 57.1% conversion rate.
0: I'm surprised he didn't give one of the penalties to Ozzyman. Yeah, hey, right. I, I was
1: expecting Ozzyman to become the Regista. The Rigorista. The, sorry, the Rigorista. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Rigorista, yeah. But. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Insignia is going to be giving any any away easily.
0: Yeah, I thought they'd want Ozyman maybe to go for that
1: yeah. um, top score position. But mm-hmm. whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Napoli outpassed Bologna. They had double their passes. Bologna had like 300 and yeah. Napoli had like 600.
1: Not, yeah. not surprised at all. I think Anguissa had a very good game and I think Elmas had a very good game as well. I think Elmas is proving that once AFCON comes around A bit of reshuffle could be made in the midfield And, and Elmas would slot in there nicely He was attacking, bro He was defending yeah. And he was he was playing really well In particular alongside Anguissa and Ruiz And hopefully in the future Where do you see Elmas' future with Napoli? Do you think he will remain at Napoli And start getting consistent playing time?
0: So, hmm, good question So he, his, he's only been with Fenerbahce as a top team Okay. um other than that he's been with Napoli since 2019 he's 22 years old um I think I think he'll become a good player there perhaps mm-hmm. he'll move on someone will pick him up because he does have a lot of talent but it very much depends on what Napoli become then themselves mm-hmm. under spalletti you're looking at a team that can get Champions League consistently yeah. you're looking at a team that can attract big players mm-hmm. you know you're looking you're looking at a very promising side there so Elmas might want to stick around for a
1: while yeah. I agree, I agree. I think from uh, Bologna standpoint, obviously these, these last two games were not games anyone would have expected Bologna to win. I think we could cut Mihailovic and the squad some slack over there. I think actually they had a good performance against Milan down to nine men and they showed heart, they showed spirit and they almost got there if it weren't for, from the 83rd minute onwards, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Bologna's biggest loss for this game was Arnautovic. I think every single time they managed to get the ball out of their half, they were instantly losing the ball because yeah. they didn't have that physicality. They didn't have that leader up front. So I think they really struggled there, particularly with Napoli's high press. The way Napoli's defenders work is they're constantly towards that halfway line. Yeah. They're not allowing the, the 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 opposing team to get anywhere close to their half. And I think Bologna, um, you know, fell fell. Fell victims of that and Napoli dominated the game and they showed good heart but a comfortable win for Napoli. They remain in 1st place, 28 points, 5 goals above Milan. Bologna, 12th place with 12 points.
0: The next game features the upset of the week. Um, Juve 1, Sassuolo 2. Goals by Davide Fratesi, Weston McKennie and Maxime Lopez. Now, um, before going into this game, Juve had never lost at home to Sassuolo. Hmm. And Juve had been unbeaten in their previous 11 games versus Sassuolo. Allegri deemed this game to be a must-win game. It was his 200th match in charge of Juventus. And it ended in a defeat. Hmm. Um, Juve's first loss in 10, while Sassuolo extend their unbeaten run to three games, closing the gap with Juventus to merely a point. Now, um, this was a, a sexy game. Okay, mm-hmm. Juve had thirteen dribbles, and Sassuolo had thirteen dribbles. Only Milan mm-hmm. had more this week, fourteen dribbles. It was a game where <laughs> a lot, of, there was a lot of creative fl- expression. You know, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, Without Jeremy Borga on the pitch,
1: normally he'd get fucking seventy percent of those dribbles. That's a very good point. Wow,
0: Sassuolo would have actually had more. Um, so. You've pretty much dominated this game, but they, they failed to deal the killer blow. They eventually fell behind through um, a counter-attack where Defrel's clever pass was converted by Fratesi on the counter. Mm. Now, Fratesi has scored 2-2. Two two. Yeah. You know, he was, as we always mention, in the um, top 11 of Serie B last season in the team of the season. It's nice to see him scoring, you know, mm-hmm. it's nice to see him finally finding his footing
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a good player, so I like him all around the pitch In the midfield, he's he's great at passing Well, to be honest, that's a, he's he's a great passer of the ball mm-hmm. um, But it's good to see him finally contributing, man I think mm-hmm. that even though we're watching him in the Euros last summer, the under-21 yeah. Euros we're saying, this guy is great, but his last touch is dreadful. Yeah. And it was a bit shocking when we see someone like Frattesi replacing someone like Locatelli, even though Locatelli was from a similar background to that of Frattesi at the time. You know, he was a Primavera player, so, so it's the same vibe. But... Ah he's he's contributing now he's looking a bit more confident he scored yeah. one then instantly off the bat he scores a goal against Juventus so happy days for Sassuolo fans
0: definitely um Juve created many chances um you know McKennie Rabiot Morata they all lacked that killer that killer mm-hmm. blow again um, the closest came from Dybala actually, whose curler from the edge of the box hit the post Cuadrado had a shot cleared off the line as well mm-hmm. they, they were knocking Juve, but they but just couldn't get it done
1: Listen to all these guys trying to score and they don't even have a striker though yeah. Yuba, <laughs> Cuadrado, Dybala, I get that Dybala plays close to the striker But to me he's a secondary striker or a winger um, yeah, They have to deal with Morata and his moods unfortunately yeah.
0: In the second half, Juve risked going two down As Ross Padori missed a pretty good opportunity His curling effort just passed the far post Mm. Um, You know, at this point Juve doubled down And they increased their intensity And they started pressing even more Eventually Mm. they equalized through a well-worked set piece You know, set pieces seem to be um, A really big part of Big teams game plans In, yeah. in Italy This mm-hmm. season like We've seen it with Napoli Roma, Juve Many goals are coming from set pieces mm-hmm. Same with Milan to
1: be honest And like. same with the Azzurri as well During the Euro 2020s yeah. They had like 200 different routines
0: Yeah that, exactly And that's that's crazy thinking about it Because Well it makes sense actually Because against a compact side It's difficult to play, to score
1: during mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. And during
0: a set piece You have a guaranteed way of, of you Maybe want to
1: getting be, it in If you want to be a dangerous team You need to be able to you know, score your free kicks, score your penalties, score your corners. So it's always good to come up with these routines and have a trusted person to take your free kicks and to take your corners.
0: And who better than Dybala, who crossed it in beautifully to Weston McKinney, who scored his first league goal of the season. Um, Juve kept pushing for the winner and this is where they fucked up and this is hmm. where Allegri got really pissed off. Because in the dying moments of the game, they pushed way too many players upfield. Um, Berardi got the ball on the wing And played an orgasmic pass, man It was Mm. beautiful A beautiful ball over the top To Maxime Lopez Who, you know, when he received the ball I'm like, of all people Why is Maxime (laughs) on it? But he he controls it well He runs, he's outpacing the defender He gets one-on-one with Perrin And he chips him him. It's it's the last move of the game The last kick (laughs) of the game He runs to the corner flag And he does the Ronaldo celebration The
1: shithousery The
0: shithousery was next level Oh, Sassuolo's four fans were freaking out
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mint of screaming, he was a pro (laughs) No, fucking Sassuolo, that's The weird thing about football There's a Sassuolo are are dropping points to the Genoas And then they're fucking beating Juve You know what I mean? That's
0: the beauty of it The ball is round, they say So, Allegri at the end of the match had a pretty interesting press conference. He described his team as chickens. He said said that they were neurotic when they had momentum. He said the goal at the end, referring to Maxime Lopez's goal, wasn't conceded because of a problem with our legs, but a problem with our heads, implying that it was very naive of these players to push up you know, everyone wanted, yeah. they were so eager to get the winner that they ended up going home with nothing. Mm-hmm. And that was what he, he stressed too. He said, we lost order. Um, he said, we ordered up to the to the equalizer, exactly. And he said, then in the last quarter of an hour, we had five minutes of injury time and we lost order. We absolutely did not have to take the goal for the 2-1. We have to play with more clarity. There are games you don't win. And in the end, you can't lose. He said that's what the mm. important thing is that you can't okay. lose. Okay, so
1: he, he considers that as an unnecessary risk. But what if it worked out? You know what I mean? Would he have been giving them instructions? Listen, push forward because this is a must-win game. If the guy describes the game as a must-win before you go in and it's the 94th minute and you're pushing to get a goal, do you blame the team? Is Allegri yeah, just finding a bit of a scapegoat here? But I don't think the Juve players
0: are... So simple as human beings, and if they think I mean, it's a one, it's a must-win that they're gonna lose not. a point at the end because they say, alright, it's a must-win. So I draw a draw is shit. A lot, we might as well lose. Yeah, that's that's no. Not
1: but but if the manager says, listen, guys, this game, do what you have to do. We need a win over here, and it's the ninety-fourth minute, and you have an opportunity to score. You're gonna pile men forward and try to get a goal. Sure, they didn't do it intelligently, and they were caught on the count. But it was you know that ball by Berardi. In what world? In what world do you see a pass sure, like that? But there dude? was
0: there was one centre back in Juve's half. You're right. That's you true. know
1: that's extremely naive. You don't.
0: You know you, you you attack sure, but have enough defensive cover for a counter. You know yeah, you I have, guess. you're playing against. There's Berardi on the mm-hmm. pitch. You know there there are a few capable players. They on know all sport. about Berardi. these juventines They do. Berardi is a very special player. Um, fuck whoever says otherwise, and whoever.
1: Lanz Berardi is going to be a very lucky team. There shouldn't be a soul on the planet that says Berardi isn't a special player. He's fucking magical. I don't know what it is about these, you know, kind
0: of um, late late 20s Italian players. Italian players in their late 20s, rather. Mm. They're slated by fans. I, I don't. Bellotti, Berardi. Like, these guys, granted, they're on, they're on smaller teams... But they're very capable players and I think if they move to a big team, we'd see the real them.
1: You know, no, 100%. And, and we've seen in Inter's darker days, in Milan's darker days, Juve do it as well because they, they love a bargain every now and then. They all sign a striker, maybe that's a bit more low budget, that's a bit older. I remember when when Juve signed Tevez, for example, Destro did the rounds with Inter and Milan as well. There was Matri making rounds as well. These are these are all guys that, that can contribute to your team. Um, I mean even more so if we're talking about Berardi and if we're talking about how old is Berardi now, twenty-seven? He must is be he... twenty-seven. I'll double check that. I think he's around twenty-seven. He's he's a brilliant player. And I think he's been somewhat slated by the, yeah. nice by the Italian community because simply in Euro twenty twenty Chiesa contributed more than him. Yeah. And I was like, why is this fucking idiot starting? Oh, we can going to be starting Chiesa. Who's getting goals? He's not a fucking idiot. <laughs> that's, <laughs> at all. that's
0: a problem. That, that seems Casuals. to be a problem with, with the Italian mentality almost, with, Itali- with Italy fans, with football fans in general, that they don't know how to have two capable players in one position. Exactly. They end up having an agenda against one of them. It doesn't make any sense. No, it
1: doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense at all. Bro, berade to Milan. Fucking. Make it do happen. It.
0: Make it happen, please. So bad news for Juventus as they remain mid-table, and good news for Sassuolo, who continue to prove that they can be a thorn
1: in the side of these bigger teams. Yep, and they're picking up the momentum now, so we'll see them push higher up, hopefully. But next game we'll be covering is Empoli nil Inter two Andrea Zoli versus Inzaghi. So. Interestingly enough, the last time these two teams faced off, Inter's spot for Champions League was confirmed. This was on the last match of the season. So that through was this, Handanovic's best game ever. Po- potentially, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's the same one we're talking it's, about. There was
0: Caputo, and there was yes, uh, yes, and yes, there was of so yes, playing Yes, yes, yes. That was exactly Handanovic's probably Handanovic. Was insane that game. Mm-hmm. He saved everything. He was the reason they got Champions League.
1: That game. So Inter got Champions League through this game. And Empoli got relegated because of this game, so it was, you know, very different reactions um, from the 22 men on the pitch. But this time it was a, a very different story. Obviously, Empoli back in Serie A as the Serie B champions, Inter-Serie A champions, so both teams are a bit more established now. Now, what made this interesting is that midweek fixtures typically see the most rotation for every team in the league. So you're resting players, you're introducing new players. For Andrea Zoli's side, three changes were made. Um, Most importantly for them, I mean, Cutrone and Pinamonti were not tampered with. They remained playing up front, especially after the last game against Salernitano when those two strikers scored three of Empoli's four goals inter on the other hand obviously with the squad depth that they have they managed to make some more changes d'ambrosio made his first start of the season in place for skriniar galliardini replaced chalanoglu demarco started over perisic and even sanchez got his first start of the season replacing zeko inter have crazy fucking depth by the way go. there just there gonna go. say it yeah. um both teams got close towards the start of the game they had some long-range shots um, being flung in towards the keeper's direction uh, but it was Empoli who started off providing a bunch of pressure. Uh, it was Stojanovic who forced a really good save from Handanovic early on and a last gas block by D'Ambrosio. Uh, bro you should watch that, a brilliant brilliant block by D'Ambrosio. We always discuss whether the guy's good or not. <laughs> it's a very simple debate between two very simple minds but he did he did brilliantly in this game.
0: But the thing is, when it comes to Serie A, recently I feel like Mercury has actually been in retro game. <laughs> as, as Sarah says, you know, you have you have players like DeSilio, you have players like Castillo, players like D'Ambrosio, all contributing and turning the game around. It's midweek, indeed. man. Midweek
1: yeah. mayhem. Um <laughs> Inter woke up and then the free-kick routine saw Marco take a great shot from distance. Vicario tipping it over the bar in in great fashion. What a keeper. Um, However, in the 34th minute, D'Ambrosio channeled his inner Aussie men. Um, He brought the ball forward after he won the ball of Pinamonte, high up the pitch. He surged forward. He played the ball to Sanchez. Sanchez held the ball really nicely on the edge of the area. D'Ambrosio made the ball into the box. He chipped it into D'Ambrosio's direction and D'Ambrosio headed it into the back of the net. A really, really good goal by D'Ambrosio And really good contribution as well by Sanchez the, yeah. f- the fourth choice striker Proving himself worthy after all
0: At the end of the match, they ask D'Ambrosio What's, what's the secret? You know, mm-hmm. you never play How do you play well when you're called upon? And he said the secret is training hard And being professional And that's true, okay. he's always ready He's cool. always ready to contribute
1: Cool That's a that's a good, good mentality to have, I think Similar, he's a, in a similar situation to Romagnoli I am Similar but not Obviously, yeah. because Romagnoli is slightly higher up in that category. I'd say much higher up compared to Dempsey. Yeah, But they, they both remain professional, although they're not getting consistent playing time. Yeah. Um, In the 52nd minute and then, everything changed. So prior to this, Empoli were still putting on pressure and they were looking like they could potentially even cause an upset against Inter. Then in the 52nd minute, Ricci, a terrible collision with, um, it was with Barella. When the ball was in the air, Barella running, you know, fast, bringing the ball forward. And whilst the ball was up in the air, Richie just slid in with, with his feet up. There weren't any studs showing, but, but the collision was just stupid. And you could tell Barella was in a great deal of pain. His entire body was cramped up. He was holding his shoulder. He was holding his leg. I really felt bad for him at the time. Um, there were shouts saying, okay, it was, a, it was a bad foul, but no studs were showing. He didn't have a high leg or anything of the sort. Bro, that is a red card. That is wild. That is reckless. Richie off the yeah. pitch. And what came after that was a result of this. Um, Inter, total momentum shift. Playing well. Gagliardin even managed to hit the post from a close-range header. after. Um, great play from both Brozovic and Darmian. Inter are so good on the right-hand side, particularly when Darmian is playing. Uh, no disrespect to their new signings, but I think Darmian... Gives them that experience. He's he crosses the ball in wonderfully as mm. well. He can really contribute from the right hand side, and I really like seeing him playing off with Barella on yeah. on that side. They provide so much creativity. Um, Do you think this guy was at Parma? He was. Mm. That's, that's, that's crazy. crazy. I think was was it Conte
0: that that brought him? It was along? Conte. But they had been linked for so long. It was almost a meme in the Inter yeah. world. That, you know, transfer windows here, Darmian's coming, and he never actually (laughs) comes.
1: You know, Conte can turn Ashley Young into fucking, I don't know.
0: Into Darmian. (laughs) Into
1: Darmian, (laughs) literally. Bro, and then one of the best saves I've seen this season in Serie A from Vicario following a Lautaro Martinez header. He clawed the ball off the line from a close-range header. Yeah, the cross was provided by Barella after a good ball by Darmian down the down the wing Which, you know, as I'm saying, they yeah. provide a lot of creativity down the right But Vicario had seven saves in this game, man Big, big, big performance for, for the young goalkeeper He's a great keeper, on loan, of course, from Cagliari
0: mm-hmm. um, He's Cranio's, you know, um, what shall we call him, his apprentice Proto-J His protoge. sure, let's call him his proto uh, both very yeah. high ceilings, those guys, man. Definitely.
1: Um, in the 66th minute, and then uh, De Marco scored a volley from close range after Lautaro's cross, also from the right-hand side. So Lautaro showed great physical ability to hold the ball off the defenders. Um, Inter very dangerous from both sides, but as I said, on the right, they're, they're something else. So... Um, what did you make of Empoli's performance, bro? And do you think that if Ritchie had not received that red card, it could have been a different game?
0: So, that's always going to be tough to say. But as we noticed when we went to, you know, when we went to watch Sassuolo against Inter, mm. Inter grow into games. And this is the same thing that André Azzoli said, who was, by the way, very humble in defeat. Mm-hmm. He said that they just kept getting better and better. And it's true, you know, their depth, as you mentioned, is, is absolutely crazy. And I think that... Most days, Inter beat Empoli. Red card mm-hmm. or no card. No red card. Um yeah. But, yeah, I mean, think about it. Let, let's take a look at the substitutions Inter made this game.
1: Yeah, their direct substitutions are fucking yeah. crazy. They man.
0: brought on Vecino, Zeko, Kolarov, Sensi, and Correa. Not you bad, know, uh. Not bad at all. And they, they
1: didn't make use of Chalanoglu.
0: Yeah, they didn't make use of Vidal. Skriniar. They didn't make use of Scriniar. Didn't make use of Dumfries, you know. Their depth is is it's crazy, ridiculous. Really. It's
1: stupid, like. And then on the other hand, you have Empoli, who have just been promoted. They're they're a, a great pickball ball of energy. However, Empoli need a fucking break, man. Three of their last four fixtures were against Roma, Atalanta, and Inter. For a newly promoted side, having those fixtures in a row is is absolutely disgusting. Um, However, I think it was a very good performance by Inter, especially after they dropped five points in two matches against Lazio and Juve, and also missing Simone and in this one. So, they showed great character nonetheless, and they managed to win in in what should be a very tough encounter.
0: Yeah, good on them.
1: So So, Inter... 3rd place, 21 points, 7 points behind Napoli and Milan. Empoli 11th on 12 points.
0: (coughs) Off to Sardinia, we go for the next match between Cagliari and Roma. 2-1 for Roma. Now, Roma had one goal and one point in their last three matches coming into this one. Um, They needed a win, really badly. What I gathered from this game is that Roma tend to struggle to score from open play. Mm. You know, their goals this game both came from set pieces, very important to them, they've picked up many points this season due to set pieces, good on them, this is a classic Mourinho way mm. Now, uh, the first chance of the game came through Raul Bellanova, for those of you wondering, who is Raul Bellanova? He's a right back slash right wing back, he's a Milan youth product, he went out on loan to France and then Cagliari picked him up Okay. He um, is the man who exposed Cellini's penis on Instagram. Ah, oh, that's the one. That's the guy. Yes.
1: <laughs> How unfortunate <laughs> that was.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, if you Google Bellanova, Ronaldo, Cellini, an interesting picture will come up. Definitely. Now, <laughs> he hit the crossbar. He also clocked the highest speed of this match day okay. with thirty-five kilometers an hour. A very promising player. He was good when he was at Milan too. Now. Um, it was in the 52nd minute where Pavoletti got his goal. An assist, actually, by Raul Bellanova. It was Marin who sent the ball over the top. Vinya miscalculated his header. And, you know, Bellanova got the ball, just chested it straight to Pavoletti, who found the back mm. of the net. Very weak by Vinya there. That goal could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. But Pavoletti was particularly good. This game's hold-up play was good. He almost scored a second um El- Shara, almost scored a bicycle kick at one point, yes. and there was an awful miss from Zaniolo. No, um, yeah, with the head, with his head, and um, Pellegrini hit the crossbar.
1: I-, I would love to see Zaniolo just get grab a goal or an assist, literally, and you know just get that confidence <laughs> yeah, get, to contribute. Get that ball rolling. Literally, no, not yeah. not this weekend though. Not this weekend.
0: Not this. Weekend. <laughs> now Ibanez equalized on a corner. Of course, classic Roma. It was a Pellegrini assist. And then later on, Roma had a free kick and it was inch perfect by Pellegrini to grant Roma the three points. He's a fucking wizard. He's a wizard. He's a captain. He's a great player. Um, Yeah, Cagliari are the team that currently sit last. Yeah. What's going on, man?
1: What's going on with Cagliari? Mm. I don't think anything is going right. For Cagliari at the moment, I I don't think they have a plan in place. Um, I don't think they have good management. I think when it comes to a starting eleven, they're there. They have a decent team, um, they have one of the better teams that sit in the bottom five. Let's let's yeah. say that um, their defense, however, is is very shaky. I don't think they're capable of recovering the ball. It seems like every time they lose the ball, they concede from that. They have two very good strikers in Keita Balde and Joao Pedro. Yeah, Pedro. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, it's just... It doesn't seem like anyone else is performing, maybe with the exception of Nathan Nandes. Yeah. But otherwise, overall, the weakest side that I've seen this season and one of the weaker sides we saw last season as well. I think their time is fast approaching.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um, You look at the team they fielded against Roma, it was... A Pretty weird team, they're playing Zappa as a center back. What? Yeah, Cepitelli and Carboni at the back. You look at Bellanova, Deola, Grassi, Marin, and Lico Jonas, Pavaletti, and Joao Pedro. That's not a particularly strong team, and to be honest, they, they did give Roma
1: quite a tough time with this team. This was a midweek fixture, so you'd understand why there'll be a bit of you know heavy rotation.
0: Do you think that this Roma approach where they're kind of conservative during the game and then they score through set pieces is sustainable? Do you think they can keep this up and reach top four?
1: Yes and no. So the reason I say yes is because obviously uh, with Pellegrini standing over the ball and, and the options they have in the midfield from Tammy Abraham to Ibanez to Cristante and all the guys that can get ahead on the ball... They're very dangerous over there, potentially alongside Napoli, the most dangerous team we can see standing over a free can- alongside Inter as well, to be fair with the mark of the season. Um, I'd also say yes, because they are very clinical from, oh, well, you said that they struggle from open play, which is very much the case, and I think that has something to do with, The lack of goal-scoring options they have You see Pellegrini grabbing most of their goals from midfield Um, You see Tammy Abraham I think he sits on only two or three goals this season He He had a good start
0: But he he definitely has Mm. slowed down Um, But, you know, many of their goals come through Mkhitaryan as well Yeah, Mkhitaryan gets quite a lot of them Veritu
1: gets some from the spot And and maybe a few few hard low shots here and there as well
0: Their centre-backs typically Because of the, of course, set-pieces
1: Yeah, and Thing is, even when they bring on someone like Shumorodov, Shumorodov wouldn't necessarily be brought on for his goals. You yeah. know what I mean? It's more for the for the toughness and and other contributions. The ability basically. to hold up the play, perhaps. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Um, I'd like, I definitely like to see Roma maybe get a number nine that can score goals. You know, because mm. um, even do you not think that Abraham's that guy? It's too early to say. He's still set, settling into the team and, and he's still a young guy as well. I, To be honest, I don't even think he knows what his play style is like yet and, and where he excels at yet. Um, I think they, he deserves another season. But to be honest, there should be someone fighting for his place alongside Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham shouldn't be a guy that's the first name on the team sheet. Let's just put it that way. Mm, they, for they invested Roma. quite a lot on him. He's a young guy, so you're gonna invest in him. His price goes up because he's he's younger. You know what I mean, and and he's established. But so, what kind of striker are you talking? You think they should bring in a seasoned striker, someone a a player in his prime, a striker that's in his prime. It doesn't necessarily matter in in my eyes whether he's a tall guy, a short guy. You know what Mm. I mean. But just someone that's in the prime of his career. I think if you're like Mattia Destro, oh, (laughs) fucking. (laughs) Destro would fit into most teams at the moment with the form he's on. Please. He, he would fit
0: into most teams. <laughs> he would, I mean, because he, he's scoring, right? But he's scoring, he's scoring for Genoa, but there are always going to be better options on, on other teams. I don't think he gets into the top four in Italy right now.
1: But if, think he's, about scored, if he's scoring six goals for Genoa thus far, how many goals is he going to score for Inter? Let's say, let's say I know Inter... Inter is a bad example But let's say For example Juve would fucking bring him on Of course Juve would bring on Destro (laughs) Juve need Destro (laughs) That's a good point But then The
0: pressure is completely different Playing for and Playing for Juve You know We've seen Destro at big teams They didn't Mm -hmm. quite perform No
1: I know I'm just saying At the moment Because he's one of the top scorers in the league He could probably fit into most teams No, Especially if you need A player that scores goals
0: Sure Sure. But uh, my my point is that I think with Abraham, they're going to keep starting him and they're going to try and mould him into their guy, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think competition-wise, Shumoridov I expected kind of more from him, to be honest mm. with you. because He strikes me as the
1: perfect Mourinho the player. Mourinho player, exactly. Know, yeah, Mourinho yeah. could probably get the best out of him, if, you know, he, and he has good man management with certain guys, so that could still be the case in the future, but... I think if they want results now and they want to set the tone for the seasons to come, I think they do need a secondary number nine to kind of push Abraham to be better or Abraham could push this person to be better. If they just hang on and show faith in Abraham, that's either going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go the route that Abraham shoots the bed and they'll end up offloading him as soon as they can. Maybe give him mm-hmm. some more time and end up offloading him. Or else it's going to work out as a long-term project, but they're going to need to sacrifice this season and maybe a next one as well.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So shall we move on to the next one?
1: Yep, so the next game we'll be covering is Sampdoria 1, Atalanta 3. This was a, a very good game with Sampdoria opening the scoring, making it seem like they were going to cause an upset, so on and so forth. Um, Sampdoria have had promising performances against big teams in my opinion, but drop what should be easy points. Um, They're coming off a win to Spezia but still find themselves two points off the relegation zone. Do bear in mind that they're still missing Verre, Damsgaard and Vieira through injury and Brzezinski as well in this game through suspension so this was never going to be an easy encounter particularly with where they find themselves at in the season at the moment. Atalanta on the other hand are still missing Jim City, Toloy, Hatteberg, Gossens, Pessina, Demiral Muriel wasn't 100% either, and they were also missing Gasparini through suspension. Um, Who seemed to be having a great time the game. He was having again, no? a lovely time. He had a plate full of food in front of him. He had a glass of wine. Now, there was a bottle of water next to it, but I don't know. Seems like he was enjoying himself, which is great, good for him. Um, Atalanta are coming off a disappointing draw to Udinese with that last-minute uh, Musso Mishap And in the 10th minute Caputo actually opened the scoring For um, Jesus Christ For some Doria. Yeah. This was There were five one-touch passes In the build-up to this goal it was Five really nice. beautiful passes In the centre Of the pitch And at the end There was a Thorsby pass Splitting the defence in half Caputo finds himself alone with the keeper And with his left foot Manages to net the ball Into the uh, far post zappa costa seemed to be a step behind in that goal keeping keeping um Ciccio caputo oh jesus keeping Chicho <laughs> caputo on side but uh, fun fact about thorsby actually he you probably realize that he's wearing the number two shirt now yeah that is because it is a digit that represents the target of the internationally adopted paris agreement of keeping global warming well below the two degrees celsius above pre-industrial times
0: and what does that mean matt
1: that means that he likes the climate (laughs) (laughs) he's like he doesn't want that climate change fam (laughs) at all
0: he likes the climate no but
1: seriously he's like torsby's an activist and and all that and obviously much like most of us he wants a sustainable future for his kids and the planet in particular now seven minutes later there was an own goal by samdoria making it one one the own goal came through a zappa costa cross that collided with askelson um this was uh, one of the case scenarios where sometimes I point out that the ball just goes through out there. Yeah, even yeah. though sometimes when he needs to make a dive, he's a great goalkeeper. When the ball is coming at him, either he his reflexes instantly make a dive. So he finds himself shifting away from the ball. I don't know what the case is, but the ball does seem to go through him sometimes. It does, it does. This one in particular, close range, his defender hit it. So obviously there's a bit of a shock element over there. And he's still young naturally as well but that's a save you have to make. he
0: does concede a few soft goals yeah
1: yeah I, I still think he's he's great and he will be of course. still a young goal. yeah he has, a, he has a bright future ahead of him but in that scenario he he should have done better zappa costa obviously assisting that own goal and four minutes later um he assisted zapata With another brilliant cross, you'd think Sampdoria wouldn't allow Zapacosta space after he produced that first assist. But he had acres of space on the right-hand side. He crosses the ball to Zapata and if you give Zapata the ball at the moment anywhere inside the box, he's scoring. So obviously, that was was the case. So that was 2-1. That's how it was for the entirety of the game up until the 95th minute. When Ilicic received the ball out wide And instantly the crowd started booing Ilicic I think yeah. Ilicic is one of those personalities One of those figures, uh, much like Zlatan That can that can attract these haters Yeah, it's because everyone knows what he's capable of <laughs> Once once he started being booed He just fucking I, I don't even know what word use, but he ruined Yoshida, bro. He turned Yoshida inside out. Yoshida did a 360 trying to keep up with him. Like, he took the ball to the byline. He's walking across the byline. You think he's not going to shoot from there. It's too tight an angle. Brother. He smashed it into the roof of that and everyone shut the fuck up after that. Like, in the 95th minute of the game. Uh, Ilicic is on three goals and two assists this season, which... Judging how everyone predicted that his season would go, it's yeah. it, you know it's it's an improvement. Unfortunately, Why? our country gave him confidence. Yeah, because that was the, literally it.
0: The two goals against Mota that initiated
1: this mm. these performance, these performances rather. Yeah, that was literally it. Why the fuck would Sampdoria play a three-five-two against Atalanta?
0: Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, well. I'm, I'm not sure Maybe to play To play a man on, man-to-man man system Let to me, match l- let them me exactly. elaborate a
1: bit let, let me bring up Why I think this is so shocking It's because If there's one thing about Atalanta That really makes them A hard team uh, To play against And a hard team to defend against In particular Is the utilisation Of their wings So I think the wings In conjunction With those two midfielders Sitting just behind the striker Out wide Atalanta are incredibly dangerous And you know they have Mele, they have Gorsens, they have Zappa Costa. They definitely have the figures to toss in there and be dangerous. Zappa Costa was in so much space for the entire game on the right flank. And as a result of that, that's where all the goals came from. So the two goals came from Zappa Costa assist the first one to the Askeldon goal, and the second one to the Zapata header. And then Ilicic. All that space oh, on the right hand side. Remind
0: me who out there, uh, out there? Who Sampdoria had on on Zappacosta. On Zapacosta,
1: Yoshida was was the no. left center back. Yeah, who yeah. was <laughs> the winger? <clears throat> Murru. It was Murru on the on the left flank, and I mean he. Space was always found between Murru and Yoshida and I don't believe that Yoshida had the pace to keep up with a Zappa Costa and Zappa Costa does this thing where he delivers early crosses mm-hmm. and so he doesn't exactly need to be that high up the field or beat his man in order to do that yeah, He
0: has a good a good ball on
1: him Yeah. And I, I think it it's risky lining up that formation against an Atalanta side that utilised the wing so well.
0: Maybe I think the the objective here was to take a man-to-man approach similar to what Atalanta do. Maybe, you know, he thought, D'Aversa thought, we can beat them at their own game, but definitely, mm. definitely not. Um, they started off well, to be honest. They had hope they for did. a bit. But then, of course, Atalanta persevered.
1: Yeah, they look, Sa- Sandra can still have... a. A good season, maybe not to the standards that they would have liked or, or that I predicted that that they would have. But what do you think Samp can do in the January market to improve their team, man? Hmm. So I think they need
0: a midfielder. They need a central midfielder, definitely. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Adrian Silva. Um mm-hmm. I think Thorsby
1: is okay. Thorsby does have good games yeah, in him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a decent player. Um, I think they miss Egdal, bro. I liked Egdal. I
0: liked Yang too as well. I think Egdal's still there, no? Yes, yes, he came on as a substitute in fact. Mm-hmm. Um but they, they sold Young too. I think they they could do with a replacement for him as well. I left midfielder if you're going to play 3-5-2 if you're going to play 4-4-2, four, yeah. four, you know. Um Damsgaard is okay, but you can get someone else on the left maybe to to compete with them a little bit, but I do think the priority for them right now is a central midfielder. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And what do you think of their, their situation up front? So they have Ciccio Caputo and yeah. um, They have Gabbiadini They have Qualiarella And they have Torregrossa They have Torregrossa I think when it comes to So putting aside Torregrossa When it comes to size, age and style Aren't they three of the exact same guys that they have up front? Obviously they each provide a, something Caputo a bit unique Caputo is unique But the other three are very similar Torre Grossa, mm-hmm.
0: Qualiarella and Gabbiadini um, they are similar, it's true, but I think that Caputo's still settling. He's finding his footing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's getting the odd goal every now and then. He, yeah. He's improving. I don't think he's the problem, but um, the midfield is not there, man.
1: Yeah, no, the the midfield, one hundred percent. When it comes to delivering the ball onto those three, four strikers, and it's it's simply not happening. I think. Mm-hmm that what helps them in that in that region when it comes to getting goals, their main contributing factor would be Kandreva. He brings the ball forward like a horse and he could change the play from, from defence into attack in a matter of seconds. He can go for a goal himself, he can assist. Um, obviously, they're missing Damsgaard, who kind of does that on the left-hand mm. side. For them, albeit he had quite a slow start to the season. Um, but hopefully when he comes back, there will be a bit of yeah. a bit of movement by some.
0: Interesting to see Gasperini bringing on Piccoli instead of Muriel, saying that Muriel is not at 100% and he is not considered a priority right now. So we'll see how that um,
1: evolves. Yeah. Yep. So Atalanta find themselves in 6th at this point on 17 points. Sampdoria on the other hand, 15th on 9 points. A dangerous zone. But again, I really see them coming out of this.
0: Yeah, 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 probably. I, I don't see them having to worry about relegation. At no, point. no, no. So, the next game took place between Lazio and Fiorentina, 1-0 to Lazio at the Olimpico. A goal by Pedro, assist by Sergei milinkovic savic Now, Lazio extend the record of defeating Fiorentina more times than any other side in Serie A history. Wow. Fun fact, yes. Lazio had a point to prove. Um, After being humiliated by Hellas Verona They Mm -hmm. they lost, you know, 4-1, goals by Cholito Cholito, baby While Fiorentina were full of confidence after trashing Cagliari 3-0 Now these two teams stylistically are very fun to watch But they're also very, very difficult to read Very difficult to predict Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we look at Lazio They beat the top teams They get embarrassed by the likes of Verona Mm -hmm. and the likes of Bologna. I think Cagliari as
1: well. Did Lazio drop points to Cagliari? They did drop points they,
0: to Cagliari. They, they did, yeah. Crazy. And Fiorentina, you know, again, they, they can give the big teams trouble, but then they can lose to Venezia. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think Lazio fans, first of all, will be relieved to see that Luis Alberto started this game. It was his 150th game for Lazio. Wow. Things are looking better at face value, but of course, um, shit might hit the fan in January. Lazio couldn't penetrate Fiorentina In the first half And they were getting really frustrated Their fans were whistling as well Because they could not get through them They couldn't penetrate Nothing was working Um, In the second half I think Sergi, You know Slapped his cock around a bit (laughs) And Lazio came out gassed And um, there was a beautiful team move That saw Pedro Get what would be the only goal of the game Mm -hmm. Savic is Milikovic Savic is the type of player That's as elegant as he is a savage, you yeah. know, quite frankly. It's like his mother was a swan and his father was a bull or something. He's, <laughs> he's the perfect hybrid. He's such a good player. It's you know, true, if, if you look at the goal, this Pedro goal, that was all him. Mm-hmm. He links up play so so well. His
1: touch is beautiful. That that midfield is his. Yeah. Lazio's yeah. midfield belongs to him savic Definitely.
0: Now Fiorentina again proving to be inconsistent I, I find it difficult to I, I think this is a long term project. I think mm-hmm. there's a bit of instability
1: with with Vlaovic mm. and his uncertainty I wouldn't call it inconsistent though I, I wouldn't call it that I think they un- answer they're, they're proving to I don't know I'm speaking a Maltese yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're proving to be a tough game for everyone and they're getting points yes they drop points to Venezia that was their upset this was a loss to, to Lazio who are a very dangerous side to play I know that Lazio when they're off their day, it's it's pretty much like you're playing, I I don't know, Venezia themselves.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but, no, I think Fiorentina are a very tough side to, to play against and I think they'll be aiming for that conference league spot as well in the seventh place. They're a very, very strong team. There's just a lot of uncertainty around them. Like their star man, Vlaovic, could be leaving th- leaving them on a free. So, yeah. there's a bit of, animosity in the team at the moment and obviously January coming up so they could do a couple of things about that
0: definitely um, it's not like Lazio had a particularly great game they only had five attempts the least of this match day but anyway three points to Lazio zero to Fiorentina
1: moving on to the next game uh, we saw Udinese take on Hellas Verona so this was the battle of Gotti versus Tudor. Obviously, these guys were former colleagues at Udinese. Uh, Gotti was promoted to take... Gotti, Gotti, baby. Gotti was promoted after Tudor was sacked in 2020 to that um, head manager role. And he's been there ever since. And he's been doing great things for Udinese. Udinese, a much improved side from last season and the season before. Um, Udinese were coming off their fourth draw in a row, which is their fifth draw of the season. Um, And coming off a good point in Bergamo But winless in their last six encounters Which is as worrying as it is promising really Hellas Verona coming off a 4-1 win against Lazio And it's really interesting to see that the guy that got all four goals Started on the bench and Kalinic started up front Obviously it's because of the midweek And they have faith in Kalinic who has been racking up some goals himself It's just funny to see as well um, Udinese started the game very, very strongly. In the third minute, Isaac Success scored successfully. <laughs> um, so he turned uh, Kecerini inside out. Cecherini, Br- I always mispronounce that name. He turned we we che- need a nickname for that guy. Yeah. fucking young Cici. Young Cici. Sure. He turned young Cici inside out. You know, showing, showing. Th- well, he turned him really, showing great strength. And just outside of the area, he provided a great finish into the uh, bottom right corner, uh, bottom left of the goalkeeper. So, Udinese really kept on pressing and pressing and pressing for the entirety of the game. I think, well, it was quite two-sided, but Udinese seemed like they had another goal in them. But Monty Pau had another great, great performance. I think he got four or five saves. And they were really, really good saves as well. Monty is proving to be a great, great goalkeeper. Game in, game out. In the 83rd minute, however, Becao gave a penalty away. So Pereira and Becao both committed into a sliding tackle inside the box. You'd think communication would be a bit better over there. Yeah. Pereira got the ball, Becao got the man. So, <laughs> a bit of a tricky one. Um you know, Barak stepped up, and as Barak does, he sent Silvestri the wrong way and made it 1-1 in the 83rd minute. So, my takes on this game are that these are two very even sides. I don't think it gets much more even than Udinese and Hellas Verona, especially at the moment. Um, this is as mid-table as it gets. It, literally, literally. And I think, you know, Verona would be thanking Montepo for some of his great saves throughout the match. He had... A really, really good game. You need to see some of the saves. One, one of them in particular, I I can't remember which one and how it was. But I remember being stunned by it, like blown, he's out, great. blown he away. Said, he
0: said that this season, he needs to prove to everyone that he's ready for Serie A. Because yeah. last year he was with, I believe, Benevento. Was he with Benevento? Mm. No, not, I, ben, um, no um, not Benevento. He was with one of the teams that had just come up. Um, I can't remember who it was, but he... Um, it was Crotone,
1: Spezia and... And oh. Benevento, but
0: ben, I think it was Benevento. He must have been on Benevento. But anyway, um, he said himself that the season for him is about proving himself as a goalkeeper, and I think he's doing a great mm-hmm. job at that. He's mm-hmm. he's been very good.
1: Yeah, there there are some slight inconsistencies here and there, much like Audero. He does mm-hmm. tend to concede a random goal every now and then. Um, but yeah, like, like, like I said, when when it comes to goalkeepers, there's the obvious and over very much overused saying that if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper it leads to a goal whereas if you make a mistake as a midfielder it could amount to nothing you know what i mean but Montepò much like out there as i mentioned 25 years old
0: that's young for a keeper very young for a keeper
1: and to be a twenty-five-year-old keeper and you're starting in this area—that yeah, is great experience for him. That's so, difficult to do, man. One hundred percent. Few goalkeepers get to do it. There's, there's Mike Maignan, who's a young goalkeeper starting. Audero, mm-hmm. Montepo, Dragovski. Other than those, you know, keepers tend to be on the old Cranio. Yeah. Um, other than that, keepers tend to be on the on the, the older on the side. Older course, side. Yeah. Where do you think these guys are going to end up in the in the league? a Verona. Okay, I'm going to change the question. Who do you think will finish above who?
0: So I think Verona
1: will finish above Udinese. So you think Udi- you think that Verona are gonna get better, and Udinese will show a bit of inconsistency here I and there. I think Verona,
0: since since uh, you know hiring Tudor, have barely had a foot wrong. They yeah. they lost to Milan, but other than that, they've been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they can keep this up, they'll they will be the the highest mid table team. I think the ninth, tenth, for Verona. Maybe. You see them going up to ninth yeah, yeah, yeah. as yeah. well. As, I yeah. think so. I think so. And I think as we as we discussed in the last episode, um, the best mid table teams right now are Torino, Udinese, and Verona. Yeah, right? I agree. And I think the order for them is Verona, Torino, Udinese. Okay. Okay. Do you
1: Interesting. agree? I, I agree. It's just it's not as simple as as comparing them side by side because then I know that Udinese are a very tough team to play against because they offer you that physicality as well, mm-hmm. and I think um, Torino do that as well. Verona probably do that the least out of out of these sides. But then well, Verona play physically. Uh huh. I, I think tend to I think, disagree there. I think Torino definitely a physical side, but Torino and Udinese yeah, yeah, okay, a bit enough. a bit more than them, especially Udinese. Yeah, but then like. Torino are, are great off the wings and Verona are great at keeping their shape and both defending and attacking. So it's it's interesting because they all give you something different and I'd like to watch those three teams playing each other. There's such stylistic yeah. matchups. Um, At the moment, as it stands, Udinese are at 14th with 11 points. Like we said, they, they got five draws this season. Yeah. Um, Verona, 10th with 12 points. As you could see, one point separating 10th from 14th. Our league is beautiful.
0: Yes, sir. So the next match took place between Spezia and Genoa. This is yet another Ligurian derby. We are blessed at the Stadio Alberto Picco. Now, Genoa had only lost one of their previous nine meetings against Spezia across Serie A, Serie A and the Coppa Italia. This match ended 1-1. Genoa are now winless in seven Serie A matches. Could this be the year? Could this be the year? Could this be the year? (laughs) I don't know I, uh, For some I'd always bet my money On Genoa staying up You know
1: <laughs> So the, they're, they're a tough side To put away They're a very tough side To put away are. But uh, If they keep showing These these inconsistencies then, then it might be the case
0: They're like a kid You drop off at the orphanage And keeps coming back <laughs> 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 So this was a really Cagey affair Especially the first half It's like both Both teams were aware That this was A, a potential relegation Six-pointer yeah. You know yeah. Um, no one wanted to fall behind Definitely not uh, It took in fact Till the 66th minute Till we saw The first goal No one seemed to dominate possession in the first half The only shot on target In the first half By the way Matt I don't know if you know This came from Spezia goalkeeper What? Um, pr- yes the, the Spezia goalkeeper Provadel Who tried to catch Sirigu off guard From his own half yeah. Shut the fuck I up I swear <laughs> to you That was the only shot On target But anyway Ridiculous um, The second half Was much more lively um, Jazzy hit the post um, Spezia, Spezia were dominating, they were playing very nice fluid football and eventually their positive play paid off. As Collie shot, it smacked the bar, hit Sirgu in the back and found its way into the back of the net. Unfortunate for the Italian veteran who had a very good game and has been mm-hmm. having a pretty good season
1: too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's looked better than his Torino days. Yeah. He's looked much better.
0: Pandev and Caicedo were introduced by Ballardini to try and turn the game around, but it was eventually Caicedo, actually, who, who won a penalty, so Ballardini's decision mm. paid off. Um, he won a penalty in the dying moments and Crisciato scored his Obviously. fourth goal of fourth. the season
1: from the spot, yes. my He's my Fanta culture yeah. weapon. He, he simply doesn't miss them this he season. He miss hasn't him. missed a single one this season. He has a 100% conversion yeah. rate. And
0: typically, that's not the case. If you look at last season and the season before, he did miss a few. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned, Sirigo was massive. Um, he was... The reason I think the only reason that Geno actually got something out of this game, especially his saves on like in and Koly, mm. amazing saves.
1: You know? Yeah, we're we're blessed with a great amount of good goalkeepers in in Serie. I think Italy in particular is blessed as a country with with good goalkeepers, but even more so the league will have young talents like like Manian, Dragovski, and all the guys we we're mentioning before as well. Um, Obviously, some, some teams should be investing in, in better goalkeepers by now, like, you know, Szczesny, Handanovic, and well, we criticise them quite frequently as well. But I think Serie a is you could, you could appreciate the art of goalkeeping in this league, man.
0: Definitely, definitely.
1: So, for the last game that we'll be covering is what was a Serie B battle last season. It was Venezia taking on Salernitana. Um, so, Salernitana won this game away from home, two goals to one. It's funny because looking at this fixture with how the season is going I thought Venezia would be favorites. Yeah, how- me too. However, last season Salernitana won both fixtures against Venezia, 2 goals to 1 in in both of the fixtures. Yeah. We look at their history, they played each other 11 times, Salernitana won 6 of them, Venezia won 3 and the other two were draws. Venezia on the other hand, have sicker drip than Salernitana. That is have true. Have you seen their new red kit? I have. I
0: have. It's I missed the previous model, but mm-hmm. this, this one will do
1: as well. It's fucking beautiful. I think I might get my hands on one, man. Really? I think I, think I might. But uh, why
0: wouldn't you go for the first one? It's such a beautiful kit. You have
1: the first one, no? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, for the studio, I'll get I'll get the, the red version, oh, eh? Oh, fair enough. Have fair a bit enough. of... Okay, div- yeah. It's like we did with Sassuolo, bro. So I'm, so we need to differ a bit. You're right, you're right. But anyway, in the 15th minute, I thought my prediction was correct as Aramu whipped the ball into the top corner and coming back from injury in style. This was good play by Okareka in particular, who started the attack. And then when Molinaro was playing the ball back into him, he let the ball go through his legs, so he fainted it. The ball got to Aramu and Aramu whipped it into the top corner. No matter what happens to Venezia this season, whether they're going down to B or staying in A Aramu's staying in A Aramu must I, say think. It. I agree he, He's he's he'd be a great fit at Fiorentina for example Ooh. I see him playing really well at Fiorentina mm. I see him being a good squad player at Milan as well particularly really see cam him as a road. squad Yeah I I I definitely think so He'll, he'll definitely fight and I think one of the one of the bigger sides not just a, a mid table side um, but anyway, moving on, in the 61st minute, there was a goal by Bonazzoli after an assist by Frank Ribéry. So Romero was having a really good game and he did have a really good game. And to be honest, he's improved the Venezia side ever since they've had him in goal. I agree. Um, however, Bonazzoli caught him wrong-footed. Um, Molinaro was kind of blocking the view with his attempted block as well so you can't really criticize him too much but it was near post at the end of the day he could have struck a leg out and potentially saved that so 1-1 at this point a very
0: neat finish by Bonazzoli that it one. was a
1: neat finish I yeah. look
0: at Bonazzoli and I see a man on a mission he's 24 years old he's a bit of a journeyman of course he started off his career with Inter he's an Inter Youth Academy graduate and he, um, he played only five games for them. Then he was sold to Sampdoria, where he played 26 games and scored six goals. But he mm. failed to get himself, to establish himself yeah. as, a, as a player there. Then he was loaned to Lanciano, Brescia, Spal, Padova, Torino. He's just fighting for his life, this guy. And I respect he? him. He is about... One second... He's 24 years old 24 24 years years old Quite a nice CV for a 24 year old And now he's at Salernitana You know He's managed to Stay in the top flight He was at Torino last Mm -hmm. year You know Nine games Two goals He's giving Simi A hard time You know He's He played Today Mm -hmm. But But anyway Please go on
1: Yep So and then Six minutes later The game changed Completely after For some reason Ethan Mpado Picked up A red card That was weird Chelsea I still can't Quite understand In what world this was a red card so the only thing i could give a shout to is i understand that he was last man however i didn't see the foul as malicious in the slightest man no, i i think it wasn't a red either. I he showed no studs whatsoever he kept you could see him keeping his studs down you could see yeah. the tip of his boots were up a little bit and they clipped the players slightly as well similarly at the tip of his boot but that's not a dangerous tackle it's it's simply not i don't understand how this is an, a red card in what world
0: this is a red card yeah I, I don't get it either and neither do venezia because they were clearly upset on twitter yeah they were like what the hell is going on we want to see mm. what was going through the ref's mind
1: over it's, here. it's it's very much like we we're saying in the last episode of the pod we yeah. i want to hear the referee give an explanation for that 100 percent
0: i think Venezia deserves an explanation for that one, especially after what happened afterwards, right, Matt?
1: Yes, sir. In the 96th minute, Schiavone managed to place the ball under um, Romero's legs to score with what was one of the last kicks of the game. There was a bit of confusion in the box after a ball was whipped in from the right-hand side. Keeper tried to get to it, didn't really manage. Ball was headed back into Schiavone's path and he managed to slot it in very neatly. Uh, when the pressure was you know flooding in the in the 96th minute but salernitana this was a relegation six pointer for them they really benefited from a win like this they find themselves in 18th place now um just above genoa and above cagliari and genoa and cagliari oh really genoa genoa now 19th cagliari are fucking last and venezia 17th so I said I recently. I, I said that that um, Col Antonio won't manage to turn things around and and so on and so forth. But and I know that there was a red card in this game and and the last minute and the ninety sixth minute goal as well. But who knows, man? A win could change your entire season, Salernitana. Again, now they're looking. Eighteenth place is somewhere where. It's a massive improvement to where they were three matches ago. No, they yes, were yes. they were dead last, and this is their second win of the season. When before they were struggling to even get a goal. Everyone is important, especially after what happened against Temple. It's a very positive result for them. Yeah, one hundred percent. So exciting times for for both Venezia and Salernitana. I think I think they're both looking better. Um, I think Venezia could have won that game if there wasn't a the red card. Or they could have they could have remained draw as well. Um, I certainly hope at least one of these teams will will stay up and say yeah. I know I I know I definitely want Empoli to stay up, but I'd, I'd like to see one of these guys stay up as well. Yeah, I'd like I would prefer Venezia to stay up personally. Me. Yeah, I think, Even I like their squad. Uh, I like their style. But props to Salernitana. Props to Calantorno. Um. So yeah, game on. I
0: got I got a quest. When the police gonna start pressing me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd never heard this song before you pulled it out of your ass. <laughs> I swear to God.
0: So um, our first question, our first out of the two, <laughs> comes from Seb Rousey on Twitter, a good friend of ours. He asks every single week. He asks, who is the best keeper in the league? Now, for me, I'll answer first. I'll have okay. to say that Mike Maignan is probably the steadiest goalkeeper in the league but of course he's injured right now so yeah. let's exclude him who would you say
1: uh-huh. so I, I was going to literally open it the same way that you did right? I was going to say definitely Manjan probably head and shoulders above the rest but yes he, he is currently injured so I know that Ospina is having quite a good season at the moment but I think we'd both agree that uh second to Mike there would be Musso and very close yeah. to Mike as well I agree
0: um, if this were were two seasons ago I'd say Shezny and Handanovic Had a run in four uh-huh. But of course they're, they're definitely not the two best In the league definitely right now Definitely not this season no. Yeah, definitely not um, You know, Reina's Nothing really to write home about There's Ospina, Ospina is good You Ospina's are right Ospina's
1: having a good season he He's having a good season um, Lapses of concentration here and there There was uh, Yeah, a, a couple yeah. of those instances But if you're a team that has only conceded Three goals thus far yeah. Keeper deserves some praise as well I
0: agree The other goalkeepers of course In the bottom 10 would be They're good goalkeepers But would I want yeah. them on a top team? Maybe a few of them But I don't think they're as good as Musso no,
1: I, I, no, not yeah. as good as Musso for sure And look, just like Musso Climbed up the ladder And he's now at Atalanta After spending all those years at Udinese And not conceding He was a fucking dream to have On Fanta Culture last year Um, He... he went through the rankings and i believe other goalkeepers with similar talent to him can climb up to the rankings as well i think dragovski has a bright future ahead of him even though he's injured at the moment i think audero as well but he yeah, makes mistakes here and there Cranio as well vicario who we're talking about the, the list goes on and on yeah. is is super yeah ramsdale yeah
0: So the next question comes from our dear friend, Luke (laughs) Mentoff. He asks, um, wait, let let me read it exactly how he asked, because I was banking on remembering this one. This one's a bit cheeky. Yeah, he's, he's taking a bit of a dig at us. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it, we can take it. We can't take it for sure He asks Why do you think that Sampdoria have dipped so hard Seeing as you praised them so greatly at the beginning of the season And that, Mintov, is the reason why they've dipped so hard Because we, <laughs> we praised them okay? Exactly That's how you tell if a player is going to do well or not If I take them on Fanta culture, They're going to have a shit season If I don't, they're going to have a great
1: season Exactly no, if for, for me, I think it- when you look at their squad and you look at their manager, you think these guys are gonna make it far. They're gonna be in they're gonna be in the top ten. So if you're thinking Audero, Augello, Berezinski, Colli, Yoshida, uh, Damsgaard, Damsgard, Kandreva, Quagliarella, Caputo, Gabbiadini, these are all really, really good players. Where they lack as as Jake and I pointed out, is the two in the midfield. Now I made the mistake of overrating Adrian Silva in the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, and um, I what think did I, you say
0: about him? I not No, I didn't say him.
1: anything on the pod, but but in my mind, I, I would oh, say yeah. like they've got two good midfielders in Torres beyond Adrian mm-hmm. Silva. But the reality about the Serie A is that you need midfielders that bring something unique, and they have to complement each other. Yeah. So, for example, you look at you look at Lazio's system, you look at Milan's system. You look at Inter system. You look at Napoli system. They all have players that provide something else. So let's like a use, mobile
0: midfielder. Let's kind of. use. Let's use
1: fucking Lazio for example. So Lazio would have Luis Alberto who provides the passing. And a bit more going forward. He's yeah, the creativity. The the creativity. You have Lukas Leva, that is that reference point that sits between the defence and the midfield. Then you have Milinkovic-Savic, Savic, who is that box-to-box kind of there. Yeah. And they complement each other like clockwork. Um, I, I I know that Sarri definitely doesn't think that's the case, <laughs> but Inter do it really well as well with Brosevic, um, whoever they have, Hakan or yeah. or any of, his, any of his replacements, and Barella, but, uh, for exactly. example. Um,
0: it's the same with, you know, Frank Kessi benasser Frank Kessi tonali Kessi Kessie-Benasser-Tonali,
1: yeah. for, for example uh, They used to play before before Brahim's days as well Or even even nowadays with the 4-2-3-1 It's still really three mm-hmm. in the midfield and they utilise it well And I don't think Sampdoria have that And I think if you yeah. put their two midfielders up against any of these systems They're going to struggle yeah. Their defence could be mobile and and intact They could be good going forward um, but they, yeah, I think I think their midfield tends to crumble And when the midfield crumbles The centre part of the team Then the rest of the team is going to crumble as well And that, I think that's where they struggle, man Yeah, I tend to agree with you I tend to agree with you, here. And we mentioned the strikers being very similar as well I mm-hmm. don't know if you want to elaborate on them, maybe
0: No, I mean I think they need to give Caputa time I think they need to give Diversa time as well And I think uh, rather than issuing the st- Striker department I don't think it's that big of a problem I, I would say Bring in another centre-back as well You okay. and Koli You know mm-hmm. If you're going to play with three at the back You don't have You ha- you don't have the facilities to play Three yeah. at the back So maybe a centre-back And a central midfielder and, mm-hmm. and they're good to go And I, I'm talking about A central midfielder Someone Torreira-esque Someone yeah, someone esque Someone mobile Someone who can win the ball Someone who can play it out Exactly quickly. Now who... I don't know You uh, have to massacre. ask Their scouts you know?
1: But that, that's, why, that's why They pay their scouts And, and exactly. they, they should do something They definitely need Something to happen In the midfield department In yeah. January If they want to be Where they initially Wanted to be Um, I think sometimes Their decision making Was a bit tough. I I feel like Sampdoria Either nail it Or they simply don't They nailed it A couple of times They held inter in turn a spectacular two-two draw yeah. in the beginning of the season they have moments in them and they're they're a good team and they're dangerous and they're compact and they're mobile but it just doesn't work at times man yeah and, and it's it's seeming like it's a bit of a pattern now where it's not working more than it's working
0: I mean they they didn't bring in any reinforcements apart from Caputo and in fact the fans at the beginning of the season were, were um, protesting They were rebelling They were boycotting the team They weren't Jesus going to the man. matches Yeah, I mean And then they brought in Caputo And they're like Hey, we just brought in a striker You should be happy No, you shouldn't no, be happy think... They they need a bit more Backup a bit More reinforcement Even the fact that you look at the bench leaves a lot to be desired
1: Yeah you know? Definitely But I yeah, I think I think More more than anything They'll need a signing I think I think they're on a good path With Davers I, I don't think them, They need to you know, get carried away and, and give the man the sack If they are They better do it now Because a manager Needs to take his time And then Find out what the team needs In January So either stick to Daversa yeah. Or sack him now I say you stick with him But
0: Yeah, there, there's no pro-
1: reason There's no reason to sack yeah. him
0: Yeah Okay, so thank you
1: very much For listening guys um, We've been your hosts Jake And Matt Guys, thank you for listening Once again Um 11, <laughs> 11 episodes in Follow us. We we'll have another. We we'll have another one coming out very soon for Match Day Eleven, and we're also planning another special with Luke Mintoff coming up. That should be bags of fun and also very very intellectual and entertaining. So join us.
0: Yeah, make sure at say a spotlight. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Please send us your questions. Of course, this week we only had two. Um, we're going to have to start making
1: them up at this point. <laughs> Or we're going to need to start promoting it a bit more. Yeah. We're a bit, yeah, we're a bit lazy when it comes to that. But thank you for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.